Well, good evening. It's good to see you all on this nice spring day. Flurries a couple times. We were joking because one of our adult youth leaders, Jordan Montgomery, Zach's brother, actually wore, if you caught it this morning, he wore a Christmas sweater on the stage with reindeer. I said, why'd you do that, man? Because it snowed. It's the first day of spring. It snowed today. It was snowing when I came into the office and a little bit later. Who knows? Um, well, tonight, uh, I'm excited to present the word. I, it kind of comes from um, a New Year's, I don't like to even call them resolutions. Let's call them revelations. I need a revelation from God this year. I need one now. I need one this week, this month, tonight maybe. Um, but it kind of came from that where they weren't really New Year's resolutions. They were, we were listing things with our adult leadership team over there of one thing that we were going to start and one thing that we were going to stop. And the one thing that I wanted to stop was listening to the, to, to the voice of the enemy, to listening to the voice of the accuser, the condemner that's always right there. And someone told me actually, um, there's a movie out right now, is it called The Young Messiah? I don't know how biblically accurate it is. It's, it's better than a lot of stuff that's out there. I mean, and someone said they went and saw it, and maybe the enemy was represented by somebody who was like physically and tangibly walking around, whispering things into people. Who's seen it? Whispering things into people's ears. Is that true? So that's how, and man, is that true or what? I mean, that's kind of how, it's kind of how it is, is the enemy walks around and he whispers um, defeat and failure and, and lies and accusations and all that stuff into your ear. And there's just a lot of reality to that, I think. Um, but tonight, we're, we're, last week we did a youth pastor swap, which was kind of neat. Jamie Harrop from Cornerstone brought his wife Christy up here and, and spoke to our youth. And Jen and I went down to Duncan Falls and we spoke to their youth. So it was kind of neat. So that was a youth pastor swap last week. And tonight is a youth pastor, senior pastor swap. So him and Ruth are actually over there talking to the kids tonight. Of course, um, Ruth's gift of, of, of kindness and hospitality is in full swing over there. Just um, loving on the kids that God has placed under our care at New Hope Church. We're thankful for a pastor and his wife that will do that and just go over and, and love the kids and speak to them. So um, that is tonight. You're probably going to see a lot of similarities between this morning and tonight. Didn't plan that. Hopefully God just does that. Um, but it's tonight's message is entitled, Silencing the Lions. Okay? So just kind of get in that mindset. Of course we are going to Daniel, but it's, it'll be a, a little bit different. But you've heard this before, and I have some different scriptures and different points that hopefully the Lord will make tonight. Um, and uh, just anoint the Word of God like He always does. You can turn to Daniel 6. Daniel 6, and I'm going to start with verse 19. And I'm going to go back to some of these scriptures. It starts out and it says, Then the king arose very early in the morning and went in haste unto the den of lions. So if you know this story and you're picturing this in context, this is the same king who was kind of for Daniel, but also was the one who was in charge of putting him into the lion's den. 
So, kind of like, what's that scripture in, in maybe 2 Kings 18.21 that said, is that if, How long ye halt between two decisions? If the Lord be your God, follow him. So this is a king who wants to throw Daniel to the lions, but he also is kind of like, what is this that Daniel has? He's kind of curious. See, he gets up in the morning and makes haste, and this is another king, like this morning we heard, that didn't sleep all night. It says he fasted all night, and he was like, man, what's going on? Are the lions tearing him to shreds or what? So he gets up and runs, and he's t- running. He's telling his, his people, I'm wondering what's going on with Daniel, if he's still alive. I fasted all night. This is the king that put him in there. So... It says, and when he came to the den, he cried with a lamentable voice unto Daniel. And the king spake and said to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God. So this this king knows something. He's talking some language here. And servant of the living God, is thy God, whom thou servest continually, able to, was he able indeed to deliver you from the lions? It's probably just like waiting for a response. After that long night. And let me tell you something. It would have happened immediately. Right when he was tossed in. Because doesn't it say in the Bible that the lions took master over pretty much anybody who was thrown in and they barely even made it to the ground. They were thrashed to bits. Bones crushed, shredded meat. Immediately. And he's praying and fasting all night. This king who put him in there. Wondering what he's going to hear or see or what's going to happen. So maybe he was expecting Daniel's God to deliver and to come through for Daniel. And then said Daniel unto the king, Now what would you say to this guy? Would you be happy with this man who threw you to lions? And he says, O king, live forever. That's a serious heart. And transformation. This isn't something that you get overnight. Amen? This is something through years of an experience and an encounter in private times alone with the Lord that Daniel has acquired. So then when this tragedy hits, by the way, mind you, Daniel at this time is 80. I mean, could he even sustain a fall that I don't know how many feet it was? If a lion didn't touch him, could he, how could he not have a scratch? How could he not have a broken bone? He's 80, and he was thrown into a den full of lions. So if you do the math, we'll get to that in a moment. He was about 14 when his journey with God began. So we're talking, what is that? 66 years of a walk with God that all comes down to this. And at 80 years old, you think maybe it's time to relax. And kick back and put my feet up. I've done what I'm supposed to do. I've served God. And let me say thankful. I am thankful for that. Don't be offended because this is a compliment for the gray hair in our church. That have walked with God. And who have seen things. And have come through things. And then after they come through these things. They can turn around and strengthen thy brothers and sisters. Thankful for gray hair in this body. 
It's hard for me to go to somebody that is younger than me or my age. I want to go to somebody who has gone through some battles and have come out victoriously because they know that God's call is not fully purposed until the intentions of what God has for that specific scenario is dealt with. And you go through it and don't just try to get out of things your whole life. So he says, Then said Daniel unto the king, O king, live forever. My God hath sent his angel and hath shut the lions' mouths, that they have not hurt me. For as much as before him innocency was found in me, and also before thee, O king, have I done no hurt. Then was the king exceedingly glad for him, and commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den, and no manner of hurt was found upon him, because he believed in his God. Sounds like David. Sounds like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Sounds like there's always some mean king trying to do things and to test God's people and try to make them bow to them out of their disdain and selfishness and and, and reigning because of their domination and fear. And it sounds from Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, if you remember, they were pulled out. Not a hair on them was singed. They didn't even smell of fire. These are impossible things. Daniel was at that time, like I said, about 80 years old, and he had this experience in the lion's den. 80. He wasn't a 24-year-old brute. He had already faced all kinds of extreme hardships and trials in his life. He'd He'd proven himself throughout his life of serving the Lord for 66 years, from 14 to 80. Man, that he loved God, that... That he was a faithful servant to God. He had proven this. So you would think at 80 years old, man, I I don't know what I'm going to be doing when I'm 80, but do you ever retire from the ministry? Do you ever? I don't think so. I mean, what do you do? Well, I'm done. I've done my part. There's people that God's gotten a hold of at 70, 75 years old and uses them to preach around the world till they're 90 or 95. I don't think we're ever done. So at 80, he has this experience. And remember when the armies of Babylon invaded and conquered Israel back in the day when Daniel got a start, he was about 14 years old. And they led a lot of those people away in chains. So they were deporting people. And it was violent. And it was cruel. And Daniel, at that time, when he was a boy, was held captive to those things. And, I mean, some pretty traumatic things in his life that he had gone through. So there was this Babylonian rule. I want to make this point that Daniel, this is an encouragement to me, and I thought this is what, you know, this stuck out to me when God was showing me these things. Daniel, as a man with an excellent spirit, this is just something I wanted to make a point of, continued to trust God despite the things that he had to endure. Can you say amen? Remember that. He continued to trust God in spite of and despite of all of the things that he had to endure. He was chosen to serve in a royal palace. He was given position. He was actually, to, as part of this position, to become a eunuch, which meant that he would never have a family of his own. And if you look at that in context, this was tragic. Because in the, uh, this was really a loss to any of the Israelite. The, their value system was to continue on their lineage. So this was a kind of a blow, and he, he, he was faithful. He did it. 
Everything that Daniel had held in his value system and in his family and whatever was sacred had been taken from him. So, I mean, if that happened to me or to you or to us, we would have an option here. The saying is bitter or better, right? So, would we become bitter? Would Would we become resentful? But Daniel, in his case, continued to be um, faithful to the Lord. He continued to trust God. And God, because of that attitude and approach to what uh, the cards that were, so to speak, dealt in his life, Daniel um, was, was um, honored by God. He was favored by God, even with a heathen king. So Daniel was brought into this inner court of the palace to serve. There was really... Uh, there was a price that was attached to be able to go in. And some of the people that were, that were chosen to be in these positions, these eunuchs were required to um, take of, of, of eat off of the menu of the king, if you remember that. And they were required to have all kinds of different food and meats and wines and all kinds of fine dining, so to speak. And it, the intention of that was to really get those people to, to, to integrate into that culture. So the king was really like um, pampering them and giving them pretty much whatever and, and giving uh, them an opportunity to entrench themselves in that lifestyle to cause them to conform to the king's uh, ways and laws and ideals. And Daniel, when presented with that opportunity to kind of be in the club, said, Nah, I'm not going to defile myself with those things. So he kind of came up with the, an eating plan, a program, maybe a fitness plan, and he says, I'm not going to eat those things, but the reason why is because the attempt was to get him to conform to that ideal of the king, to the world, and to that culture. So he basically asked for a simple diet of veggies. And that was granted to him. So again, he found favor, he found honor in the eyes of this king. So this was granted to him and he overcame this incredible pressure at that time to conform. And another point that I want to make is, you know, through his commitment to serve God, listen, through his commitment to serve God, he was he was given or granted tremendous wisdom from heaven. Because he was committed to serve the Lord. So a little bit later on, under the reign of Belshazzar, a descendant of King Nebuchadnezzar who dealt with the three Hebrew boys, if you remember the story, Babylon began living in, a, in just a really bad place. A drunken stupor and arrogance, and they, were, they just had no idea. Kind of like if you look at our nation. They were, they're really unaware of their spiritual ignorance, the depravity. I mean, Psalm says that the, the thoughts, the godly thoughts are not in the ungodly. They're not, they're not in them. And how, I mean, how, was that you before you were saved, maybe? And then by the Holy Spirit, God made you aware of those things. So King Belshazzar, we know the story, took the holy vessels of silver and gold, which had been taken from the temple in Jerusalem and used them to basically party and throw a little bash uh, uh, in, his, in his royal court. So in that, 
They had pretty much, in God's eyes, had crossed the line. The moments of judgments were being pronounced, and we know that the hand appeared and wrote on the wall uh, in this unknown language, and then Daniel was suddenly called to give this interpretation, and basically says, like it says in Daniel 5, 26 through 28, um, just kind of condensed, God hath numbered thy kingdom, it is finished. Thou art weighed in the balances and art found wanting. The kingdom is divided and given uh, to the Medes and the Persians. So if you look back through history, it kind of tells us even that very night because of the decision that Belshazzar had made that that Persian army, that particular Persian army came in that very night without any resistance and just marched in and conquered the whole city because of using those things for ungodly purposes. So King Belshazzar that night was even slain. And that great nation, just giving you some history, of Babylon at that time fell. Okay? So this, this particular Persian rule under Cyrus, or, or even, um, like it says in Daniel, Darius, um, the new Persian king, Daniel was set in a place of influence over the, whole, over the whole unit, over the whole kingdom, that realm. So he was 80 years old, so you would think that this would be like a time of reward for him. I've paid my dues. I'm a seasoned man or woman of God. I've interceded and I've intervened in so many situations. I've gone out and ministered. I've visited people in prison and I've fed people and I've clothed people in 80 years. I mean, it's time to relax a little bit. So Daniel was 80 at this time. And you would think that that would kind of be maybe the approach here, but that wasn't the case for him. Daniel chose to continuously and actively pursue God at 80 years old. And in fact, the Bible says three times a day he would go to his prayer closet and he would even open the windows of his room towards Jerusalem and he prayed. And we know this story. But he's 80. So while Daniel was reading from the book Jeremiah... He, he, kind of, he kind of noticed that in Jeremiah it talks about the captivity lasting for 70 years and from the word that was declaring and obviously the spirit that was quickening his heart like the spirit quickens our heart when we read the word of God. It was revealing things to Daniel and Daniel knew that his time kind of had expired and the people should be going free and his faith would increase for the people and he stood on God's promises and their deliverance. But he really didn't have a whole lot of knowledge that this revelation was the whole center of this unseen spiritual battle that was going on. And Satan doesn't want anyone free. Satan wants to keep us captive forever. Always. Never wants anybody going free. God knew this battle would require somebody like Daniel. Not somebody that was just maybe young and passionate and, and enthusiastic. But somebody like Daniel and the history Daniel had in the Word and with the Lord and through the battles that he had come through previously and victoriously. God needed someone like Daniel. Not just a well-known megachurch speaker who can inspire and motivate people. He needed Daniel, a seasoned man of God. He needed a man with a measure of confidence, like, 
Like when David would win secret battles and then go into public and it was no thing because David already knew the victory was his. So Daniel, coming through all of these things, knew that the Lord was faithful. Have you ever seen the righteous forsaken? Ever. If you are saying, well, you're not through it yet. Because in retrospect, usually in hindsight, we look back and say, man, I wasn't forsaken. God never left me. The righteous, the righteous. So he needed a man with depth. He needed a man with seasoning and measure and confidence and somebody who would stand in faith in God without wavering. So we look to Daniel. Just like Ezekiel twenty-two thirty says, God sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before the land that I should not destroy it. But I didn't find anybody. It says, but I found none. So there's a time really as, you know, like David, as a young Christian, you go out to in the valley and you meet Goliath with the slingshot. But there comes a time when maturity needs to kick in, when the seasoning needs to kick in. And you know God in such a way that you just simply stand in prayer and you're unmoved by the voices that are around you. And, and all of the, the Bible says, the gates of hell shall not prevail against me. All the talking and all the conspiracies of hell should not be able to move or shake you. And we should just be standing in prayer, in the prayer closet. And many of our people even now in the United States and in this county are standing in the gap. They're not behind the pulpits. They're behind the scenes. And they're seeking God. And they're praying. You might not be behind the pulpit, but you're standing in the gap, behind the scenes, in prayer. This secret place. Heaven records this. Heaven records your faithfulness behind the scenes. And maybe just when we think like Daniel at 80 years old, when it's time to put up our feet and relax and maybe enjoy the fruits of our labor... Another trial comes. Another trial hits. Maybe deeper than anything we've ever faced. It happens again. And Daniel was faced with such a trial. And wicked men had risen into power. And, and just like Pastor was, you, you kind of see the connection from this morning that wasn't deliberate, but just we serve an awesome God. And, and it says, um, you know, these people started to write laws and they started to write laws which moved against the people of God. It was resisting the people of God and they had passed these laws forbidding anyone to pray to any other God except for Darius the king. Talk about ego. Sounds like Nebuchadnezzar, sounds like just everybody else. Except to Darius for the next 30 days, the Bible says. And then during that, evil men were allowed to write these evil laws. And then as they were allowed to write evil laws and they would get passed, they would even become more bold to write even more evil laws. Sound familiar? And if there is really nobody standing in the gap to seek the Lord, then more and more laws were and will be today will continue to be written that are completely against God's will and God's way. If there are not people standing in the gap. So it is time for intercessory prayer. Behind the scenes, standing in the gap, in our prayer closet, we need to reconstruct them.
We need to remake them. We need to get in them. So if we'd ever lived in a time, in a generation where we need this, it is now. Intercessors that maybe uh, read the Word and they get new revelations from the Word and we need to start claiming promises for our family members that have slidden back, that are not saved. Family members that practice um, illegal drug use, prescription drug use all the time. Can anybody relate to this? Put your hands up so people can see that you have struggles just like everybody else. Homosexuality in your family. I want salvation to come to my house. You and your house will be saved, they said to the jailer. Do we believe this? Intercessors who will discover the word of God. Who will start to really eat and digest the word of God. To start claiming promises for co-workers. Can you relate to that? City officials and government leaders, we must have men and women in this church and in the body of Christ that will take people to the throne of God. We've been doing that on Wednesday nights. You're missing out if you are not here. We put up names. We target them. We pray. Maybe you've been on the list. Come and see the fruits. And we, have, we need people to intercede. And, and Daniel knew the time had come back then for the release of God's people. And he was standing in one of the most, one of the most, what was that battle called? Turning point, Saratoga. One of the, the most pivotal points in, in, of all time. And, he, and so this was not a time for him to put his feet up and relax. And King Darius would not have even known if it wasn't for this this trial that Daniel was about to face, he wouldn't even have known that there was a true God in heaven. Evil would have continued to triumph and succeed. And God's people would have just remained in bondage. Are you thankful for the blood of Jesus tonight? Man, I've been really reading with my wife the whole time. I am so thankful for grace. I am so thankful for the new covenant of the blood of the Lord Jesus. Man, read the Old Testament again. It will just make you really thankful and grateful. So King Darius wouldn't even have known that. God's people would have stayed in bondage. And God was about to move miraculously on Darius' heart. And then, like we know the story, to even have him sign a decree to set the Israelites free. All of hell, you can bet everything that they were waging war against this decree, against this proclamation. Just like all of hell is coming against you and the idea that you might be free and break the shackles of captivity from your own personal jail, bondage, addiction, depression, and all these things that seem to grip, especially people in the church, because Satan does not want us moving forward with power, because it will be in power. It will be in our weakness and in his strength. And all of hell is coming against this. The only person that's stopping the plans of the enemy in this particular story was an 80-year-old man. God's pretty awesome. An 80-year-old man. I believe that this is, this is awesome. I, I think it was uh, Margie's father who knows who I'm talking about. 78 years old, still kind of working, and Margie said, don't, don't, you, don't you just want to kind of relax and maybe stop driving a truck and just, 
You're 78. You're just, what do you want to do? Do you want to just relax and go fishing? And you've lived 78 years. You know what he said? What he wanted to do now? What a sweet man. He said, I just want to know that my sins are forgiven. That's all he wants to do with his retirement. And he's not even retired at 78. What are you going to do? I mean, I'm, are, you, are you like 63 and like, oh, God can't use me now. So, we're looking for a man here. God's looking for a man like Daniel. Now, we probably wouldn't choose somebody this old. Would we? It's a good thing we're not God. So this point I want to make is there are some battles that are not meant for a novice. Now, every year, I'm a ski club advisor and have been for a long time. I ski well. I'll ski anything. I'll go to California and jump off cliffs and go down between trees and rocks. I've done that. James, awesome. Colorado, Chase has been all over the place. At the very beginning of ski season, we have our kids fill out these forms, and they'll do like expert or intermediate or novice. Well, nobody wants to check the word novice. But if you don't, you're probably in some trouble. No experience... Very little, maybe. And you want to say you're an expert, so you get like maybe the nicer shaped skis or the nice waxed or cut or the different equipment or go to the bigger hills. You better be careful. But see, God wasn't looking for a... Some battles are not meant for a novice. They're meant for seasoned men and women of God that have experienced uh, uh, hardship and turmoil... And have come through victoriously. And it's someone that has been found faithful. And God will say, I can use that man or that woman. They're not a rookie in the Lord. They've been walking with me in Daniel's case for 66 years. From 14 to 80 years old. I can use them. They trust me. They believe me. They have faith that will move mountains. And all they can do, like this morning, is pray. They stand up in their prayer closet at the window three times a day, and they pray. And they're 80, but they pray. So the Lord needed someone with a history, someone who trusted them. And the devil wanted Daniel away from this place of intercession. Have you, do you ever feel the battle? Do you ever feel Satan trying to keep you away from prayer? To not go into that place of prayer. Satan wanted him away from this place, so he caused him at that point to be thrown into a lion's den. So if you think about this, the den actually represented a place like you see, I believe it is in Peter, where Satan would walk around as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. It's a place where very few, if any, had even been known to survive. And that's where 80-year-old Dan is going. It's a place where any of those lions could have killed Daniel immediately. Daniel 6.24 says, And the lions had the mastery of them, breaking all of their bones in pieces before they ever even hit the bottom of the den. Can you picture that? I had a video clip, but I just it didn't do it quite justice, what I was picturing. 
we can picture some pretty crazy things. So these lions that are, uh, that are roaming around seeking whom it may devour spiritually, even physically in the den back in the day with Dan. And these lions can symbolize things that can destroy you. So my message title is Silencing the Lions. Maybe there was a lion of bitterness that was coming after you to devour you or a lion of resentment. Or a lion of betrayal, or injustice, or jealousy, or despair, or even a lion of anger towards God Himself. Have you been there? Angry at God, shaking your fist at the heavens. Have you been there? And any one of these lions could have taken him down. The devil. The enemy. Doesn't need us to have 12 or 13 undealt with sins in our lives to destroy us. He only needs one to bring us down. One. What is your lion saying to you? What is your lion saying to you? See, what the devil had not really bargained for is when it came to Daniel, is that Daniel was full of faith and the power of God's word. Daniel was full of God's word. Daniel had fully embraced God's word. He had eaten it. He had read it. He had digested it. He had lived it. He had clung to it in moments of hardship. And he had gone through the valley with God's word. He had fully embraced it. And we see the end result of this kind of faith of a man who for 66 years had followed the Lord and had not seen himself forsaken and had gone through things victoriously. I don't mean winning every battle, so to speak, but I mean having God's intentions fully purposed out in Daniel's life. Letting that complete work be done before we throw in the towel in the midst of a trial. Daniel 6.22 says, My God hath sent His angel and shut the lion's mouths, and they have not hurt me. This term angel actually literally means, and we know this, a messenger. So a messenger came down to Daniel, and the messenger, the angel, closed the mouths of the lions. The messenger, the message, it's the Word of God. The Word of God shuts the mouths of the lions. Against any naysayer, against any, any person who's going to harass and provoke and accuse and condemn. And from the moment these particular lions, in that moment, when Daniel was cast in, and the messenger came and shut the mouths of the lions, the Word of God shut the mouths of the lions, those particular lions at that moment that rests on the timeline of history at that time had nothing more to say. Daniel, for the whole night, was chilling in a den with lions that could have ripped him limb from limb. Every ligament and nerve ending, everything would have been all over the bottom of that den. And most of it in the stomachs of the lions. 
Now here's a point I want to make as well. When I receive God's messenger, His word, the devil immediately has nothing more to say to me. You ain't got nothing to say to me, devil. What do you have to say to me? What dominion or right do you have in my life? Now, if I remember correctly, Isaiah 54, 17 says, No weapon. Everyone say, No weapon. No weapon that is formed against me shall prosper. Every tongue that rises up against me in judgment, thou shalt condemn. This is the inheritance of the Lord. It's the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is of me. Hallelujah, says the Lord. Amen. Amen. So it's natural that we would not to prefer to go through valleys and hardships and we would rather not have to endure difficult days and betrayal and, 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 and inevitable or unavoidable pain that comes from dealing with people. Just people. It's always the other guy's problem. But God uses these particular moments, these times, to work out His purpose in me. He's been preparing me for the day maybe when I would stand in my prayer closet without, finally, without listening to the voice of the accuser and the voice of the condemner. So if you kind of see and you see and you understand what's going on in this generation... You have the opportunity to be used mightily in this generation. Mightily. King Darius had had even been friendly to Daniel. But he had also been the one that actually threw him into the lions. And the following day, he he came down sad. He was, the Bible said he he was hastily making his way to the den. Saying that he was up all night and that he was curious and that he was wondering if God had come through. And this is the guy that threw him in. I think this guy, this unbeliever, was looking, looking for a reason to put his faith in the Lord Jesus. Daniel's God. And the following day, he came down with a sad voice asking Daniel if, he, if his God had been able to deliver him from this fate that he was responsible for. And Daniel could have easily said, like we talked about in the opening text, He could have easily said to this man, Man, you're a fool. Daniel, are you down there? Did your God come through for you, Daniel? I mean, he could have said, You are a foolish man for listening to those voices who who came to accuse. And when all I had been doing, I, I had just been seeking God. And that's what I'm in trouble for? He could have said a lot of other things too. In that moment, if he had not had a right heart that was in right standing with the Lord. But what came out of his mouth was, O king, live forever. Would you have reacted that way? I would have clawed my way up out of that den and beat that man to a pulp. Maybe, yeah, help me up. I swear, I just want you to help me up, right? Is that how you would have reacted to a guy who threw you in to be destroyed and dismantled? O king, live forever. That response is amazing. But it's only somebody who was seasoned with the Lord for all those years that could respond that way. 
He he just basically endured the greatest trial of his life. And he's 80. Yet his speech remained pure. So you know if you're Daniel, you have to come to a place of victory. Personal victory. Behind the scene victory. Trusting and putting your faith in the Lord. Having this excellent spirit. When you bless the person whom God used in your trial. You're blessing them. That's some serious scripture of pray for those and bless those who use you and persecute you. He used that person in this difficult situation to hammer out these things in Daniel's character. Do we let these trials and these things in our lives finish their intended God-given purpose? Or do we surrender in the midst of them? So I hope that we can understand. I hope that I can understand that, th- that my spiritual growth requires battles. It requires trial. Not for those battles and trials to disappear. So I want to make this point again. You might see it on the screen. I, I'm going to grow by having my battles finish their intended purpose. Amen? So if we get this, we can, we can live our whole Christian life experience trying to get out of all these things that God is using to produce faith in us. He wants to take us to a place where we can stand up in that prayer closet, where we can stand against hell itself. And God gives us the wisdom and the insight through the life of Daniel in these verses so we can have hope in the midst, even in our most severe trials. And in the end, Daniel most likely, you know, when he's 80 years old and he had gone through this and come out, maybe he didn't participate in this whole journey where they had been set free for those who had left Babylon for Israel and Jerusalem, but he was the vessel that was used to release the people. And he's 80, and he was willing, and he he understood it, and he trusted God through it all. So then, at that point, laws had changed. And we know that in Romans 8, 28, Paul says, We know that all things work together for good for those who love God and who are called according to His purpose. We know that verse. We have it memorized. We know it intellectually. But there has to be a time in my life when I fully embrace the Word of God in this Scripture. And when we do, we're going to be able to stand in faith as David or as Daniel did. And laws could even change. So after Daniel was taken out of the lion's den, the king at the time, Darius, issued a decree. In other words, he changed the law and he said in Daniel 6, 25 through 27, Unto all people, nations, and languages that dwell in the earth, peace be multiplied unto you. I make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom men tremble in fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and steadfast forever. And his kingdom, that which shall not be destroyed, and his dominion shall be even unto the end. He delivereth and he rescueth. He worketh signs and wonders in heaven and in earth. (coughs) Excuse me. Who hath delivered Daniel from the power of the lions? This is pretty heavy stuff. But we just need to find some faith to believe this for today. He was a heathen king. He received a revelation that many of us in the church of Jesus Christ could use. He changed the laws that had been written by those 
evil people that were completely against God. As I look around in our nation, and I look around at the kids at school, and parents, and youth, and all the situations that we find ourselves in, there is definitely a law that I would like to see change, and it's the law of sin and death that has been written over so many people's lives. I would like to see that changed. I want to see people set free. I want to know that their time of captivity is over. And they can leave their place of bondage forever. Forever. We must begin where Daniel began. Praying daily and believing the promises of God. Let's stand. You can take the lights down. You've heard two messages today. Messages from the Word of God. Scripture. Reminders. Encouragement. We've heard them. But I pray now, Lord Jesus, that we would be willing to receive these messages, Lord. Father, I pray that your Spirit would move even now in this church, Lord. That people in the church would once and for all, Father, be free and escape from the captivity and the bondage that is weighing over our heads, Father God. Even as people who claim you as Lord and Savior. It's time to shut the mouths of the lions. It's time that the lions have nothing more to say to us. This is your messenger. This is the message. Today's message is both of them, God. This is your word for this church today. So as the music starts, you can go ahead and start it as I speak. If you've been living in a place that the devil... All he's been doing is roaring at you. He's been roaring at you. And listen, all you've been able to do is roar back at the enemy. It does no good. He's trying to make you argumentative. He's trying to get you to negotiate. He's trying to debate with you. God doesn't want us in a shouting match with our adversary. So listen, this altar is open. If you can hear what God is saying, He wants you to simply be quiet and confident and full of faith in Him. He will be the one to close the mouth of the roaring lion just as He did for Daniel. Come to the altar. Let's seal this Sunday of these two messages and give God this day, this night, our future, this week. God, you, we by faith, we believe that you will shut the mouths of the lions, that you will silence their roaring, accusing us and condemning us, saying that we will never be free, Lord. Father, I pray freedom in the name of Almighty God in this house tonight. Walking to the altar, Lord, symbolizing breaking away from Babylon running to Israel, running to you, Father. 
Hallelujah, Lord Jesus. We trust you, Lord. We trust you, Father. You are a good, good Father. Hallelujah to the Lord. Take this opportunity. Seal this moment with you and the Lord Jesus. Just you and Him. God, I trust that you will shut the mouths of these lions that are constantly roaring in my ear. You will send a messenger to shut them. And God, that I will put my full faith and trust in you. That I will live righteously. That I will love mercy. Walk uprightly. You will never and have never forsaken the righteous. Hallelujah, Lord Jesus. The lines of bitterness, the lines of hatred, the lines of resentment, the lines of unforgiveness, the lines of addiction, the lines of frustration and confusion. God is not the author of that. Set your people free tonight. Free to be able to go and stand in the prayer closet. Hallelujah, Lord.